0: the more I thought about it, the more I kept thinking about that place. And then just realizing that it's so close, even though yeah, it felt like traveling back in time or something. I, like I'm American. And then I got back there and I was like, oh my God, like I'm not from here either. And then I just felt like I am not from anywhere.
1: Hello, and welcome to Born in Ghostland. A series of conversations with people whose homelands have vanished. What is it like to have roots that lead to a place that doesn't exist? What happens to the sense of belonging? Are there deja vus? I am Elena and I'm recording this in Belarus. I'm staying at the apartment that used to belong to my grandparents and I was born in a hospital just across the street but in a different country. It was then Soviet Union. It's been about 30 years since I've stayed here last, but the flat was often present in my mind, no matter where I was geographically. My guest today is Sipan Shahab, a composer born in Iran around the time of the Islamic Revolution. Sipan joins me from Los Angeles, where he grew up and is based today. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, Sven.
0: Hi, it's so good to see you. Thanks for having me.
1: Amazing technology that allows us to see each other, despite being in entirely different countries.
0: Yeah, countries that exist.
1: Yeah, in various formats. <laughs> I think I am ongoingly, I feel like I am sort of, even though it's, you know, contemporary Belarus, but in this particular apartment, I feel like it's Soviet Union still exists in some way. Wow. So I'm always like. In a little bit of a ghost land here
0: is that what made you uh, think of this podcast
1: you know no actually i think cause i thought of it earlier i think before i came but i personally feel like i'm always in that state like sort of my you know my particular or my particular soviet past informs my presence whether i'm here in belarus or right. in los angeles or, you know somewhere else
0: I don't know do, do you know what I mean do, do you have that feeling ever I was born in Iran but uh, but I mean we left when I was because uh, it was in uh, just the end of 1980 so you know my parents were kind of back and forth because of the revolution and so I only stayed there for like six months or something
1: wait could, could you tell me a little bit more we should do in a historical note for the listeners
0: so the before the revolution there was a king the shah and just like in the broadest strokes uh, so progressively people were more discontent with him and what ended up happening was this uh, islamic revolution which i know at least speaking for my own family members or especially on my dad's side you know they were very discontent with the Shah, but they definitely did not want to see the Islamic revolution that happened. And so then, of course, every, a lot of things changed. Like, uh, from what I hear, uh, you know, before the revolution, Iran was more kind of European in its, like, tastes and dress, or Tehran, at least. And then after, of course, there was all the Islamic law and ways of dressing and interacting with people. And, uh, and it was really harsh. Like, I mean, I've heard people tell me that during, like, close to around the time of the revolution and after, like, girls that I've met there have told me, like, they would get yelled at if they were wearing like white socks instead of black socks or something like out in a park you know? oh my god but now if you go to tehran it's like the head scarves are like half off and there's the people wear makeup and
1: or the strictness has receded a bit
0: in that sense yeah
1: from what i read also around the times of the revolution i just for some reason i feel like i don't know i wonder if you know anything about it but i feel like there was i guess because it was a, a shaw um a royalty, right? so there were also some sort of kind of more pro-communist forces that were trying to overcome. Was it? Was it do you know anything about that? i just curious.
0: No, I don't know anything. My mom mentioned to me that when she was younger, she was big into like uh, the socialists and communists, but I'm not sure if that was in Iran or she went to like music school in uh, in Europe. So I don't know if it was there or in Iran.
1: So you were. So you were born there and then your parents left after the revolution
0: yeah my dad went to came here to LA and then my mom went to spend some time in uh, Vienna as they were trying to like sort things out I guess my dad had to go there to like get things ready and then my mom went to Vienna because she had friends there and that's where she went to school and and then I think there was a small period where she was trying to get my dad to come there and then he yeah yeah and uh he wanted us to come LA and then in the end we went to Los Angeles. Mm,
1: I was wondering were you happy with that decision that you ended up in Los Angeles?
0: Yeah I mean I've been kind of like forced to think about it just because my mom would sometimes like lament this decision Yeah. but uh, I don't know I think my I don't know if it's more like just like a rationalization but it would her kind of like negativity about it usually just makes me just automatically Mm. take the other side and I just look for all the things that went well or right for me here like such as meeting all these cool artists and having all these friends and like really being deep into like this kind of experimental music that I've like come to really love and just thinking that well like how would I have found all this uh, in Iran yeah so it's just kind of an easy way of just being like no this was right like I don't want to think about this can you stop yeah I feel
1: like yeah that's a really good approach that I should learn from because I think I'm really, I kind of go off on tangents of like, oh, what would have happened if that happened? But of course it couldn't have happened. What, you know, whatever happens in the past has happened. And you can't undo it. So what was it like growing up? Were you speaking Persian growing up or?
0: Yeah, like for the longest time it, it felt, it's still now even, it feels weird to speak English with my family. Growing up, yeah, I spoke, Farsi at home and then there was even there was a few years where I went to like Farsi school which at the time I thought was you know annoying because it was more school after school but now I'm really grateful for it you know I only you know just yeah spoke English and I don't really remember a time I vaguely remember a time where maybe certain things in English like were unfamiliar to me just like little things but it wasn't ever I, I don't remember ever taking classes to like learn how to speak English I don't really I don't re- I don't remember learning English specifically, but I mean, my you know, my school, some of my school memories are like, you know, I, I still remember certain like embarrassing things like we were, <laughs> I remember this one time we were supposed to list off like certain chores that we were that we have to do around the house. And of course, like, you know, being like maybe, you know, maybe it's a cultural thing, but I, uh, or it's just like the way my parents were. I didn't have. Too many chores, so I tried to like just make I just tried to think of chores. But I didn't know like like I knew like there was this thing, you know, called mowing the lawn. But I just couldn't remember if it was mowing the lawn or lawning the mow. And so I just had to pick one. I just picked one and I picked lawn the mow and I said that in front of the Aww. whole class and I just remember everyone laughing at me.
1: <laughs> That's so interesting because there's a sort of a I guess like a kind of interesting double entendre something going? Because both, like, it's it's that you didn't have many chores and that's, I guess, one interesting point. But also, like, you were just doing a task that you didn't exactly... Did you know what the task was? You just didn't know how to name it? Or was it just, was it just, like, an abstract task? You knew that, like, this task existed.
0: I mean, it's funny that I picked something like it's kind of like. Well, did you have a
1: lawn at your house? No, you no. Right I mean, there? we didn't have
0: a house. So okay, so I think okay. That's so you pretty... didn't have you in
1: an apartment. So it's it's just a completely like that alludes to like a house with a lawn. Yeah,
0: and a picket so, fence. Did you know
1: that what morning Yeah. So but so you knew what the action meant. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So you were just approximating this kind of lifestyle essentially, <laughs> like you were gesturing at this life that you're leading that you, were not leading.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I, I mean, I, yeah. But
1: that was like the American life. That was kind of an American life represented in that one statement.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, I've never thought about that until now. But uh, the more I kind of remember some of these things like that in my childhood, they all kind of have this undertone, yeah.
1: Also, I was curious, when you went to Persian school, did they teach history there and, you know, just kind of cultural things? I was curious about how they just approached the topic of, how you guys were in the states now, you know, and what happened in Iran? Like, what is your relationship to that country? You know, just like anything about that.
0: Uh, no, I don't remember anything like that that stuck. Yeah, there was like. So a it few... was just kind of
1: language, or yeah, mainly.
0: Yeah, okay. there. You know, yeah, there was a little bit just incidentally, but uh, I mean, and plus, you know, this was when we lived in West LA, and the school was in Westwood, and so that whole place is like full of like Iranian people, so maybe it just felt like you know, yeah, there's Iranian people everywhere. A given. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was, like, everybody sort of just knows what's going on, yeah. Did you think much about just being from Iran when you were growing up? Like, how did that play?
0: Yeah, I I thought about it, like, uh, especially, like, during the high school phase, I kind of, like, embraced, like, I used to have this, I had my friend that knew how to, like, do that cool kind of, like, uh, graffiti type of stuff. Like, I had him, like, I had this hat and he wrote like Persian on it because he was also Iranian and I kind Mm. of like really embraced this and you know I didn't want people to call me Iranian I was like you know and there weren't too many where I went to high school there was only a couple Iranian people but I I kind of like really clung became like part of my different identity and I really embraced it Uh, whereas before that I don't remember ever really thinking about that or yeah or ever talking about it
1: so was that like a correction if you're from iran you're not iranian you're persian
0: i just i think at the time i just thought it sounded cooler oh
1: i'm curious why why did you think it was cooler i have my opinion but you tell me
0: <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i think it's just uh it sounds kind of uh mysterious or i know like...
1: it sounds like very <laughs> mysterious right yeah
0: like what is that yeah um yeah so it was just like a high school thing and uh uh, it wasn't until, like, many years later when I actually visited Iran for the first time. Like, I, I had always wanted to go, and I always put it off because of wanting to, like, practice music or something over the summers. Mm-hmm. And then I finally went after we graduated from CalArts. And then I realized that, wow, like, I've always thought of myself as from here. But uh, now that I'm here, I see, like, I really don't have a lot in common with people that are from here that actually live here. So I was like, well, okay, so I guess I am sh- I'm, I'm I'm American, I should just call myself American. But then I spent like 3 months there, which is the longest you can spend uh, until you have to do like a, a mandatory military mm-hmm. service. And then when I got back to the states,
1: Oh, you would have to do that too?
0: Yeah, I'd have to do it too cause, Okay. yeah. Okay. But then uh, when I got back to the states after that much time there, I didn't feel like I was I was all ready to embrace my, like, I'm American. And then I got back there and I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm not from here either. And then I just felt like I'm not from anywhere. Uh, And it was really kind of shocking. And I thought about that for a long time after that trip. I didn't think I would. I thought I was going to go there and I would, as soon as the plane hit the runway, I would, like, feel something.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Now I'm just, now a lot of memories are coming back. The craziest thing that happened was I was so... There was some kind of like nervousness about being like from somewhere else that when I spoke Farsi when I was in Iran, like normally I don't really have much of an accent, like an English accent. But when I spoke Farsi in Iran, like for lack of a better word, and I have recordings of myself, like I'm not exaggerating. I sounded like a valley girl.
1: But like in, in Persian, that <laughs> was exaggerated. Your American side would just.
0: Yeah, it was like some kind of weird, nervous embarrassment about like yeah. not being from there. And I couldn't yeah. control it until like the last couple of weeks. And like I would talk to people and they would just be ah. smiling and like trying to not ah. laugh. And I couldn't do anything about it. It was the weirdest thing. And that's ever could they
1: place me. you too? Could they be like, oh, you? so you lived in the States most of your life or something? <laughs> yeah, that definitely. Was that, yeah, it was like really okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
0: some people were just amazed that I could speak Farsi. They didn't wear a shirt. <laughs> but uh, God, I forgot about that. It was so painful to talk to people. But I I've never felt my body just do something like that so involuntarily, or I guess my brain.
1: Interesting, yeah. Yeah, It was try- it's, it's as if it was trying to find a kind of footing and reconcile both of your histories somehow, like both of your locales. Yeah. through your voice through sound that's interesting I definitely can relate to that feeling of not not quite knowing where the correct place is I was wondering so before you know how you said <laughs> before coming to Iran you felt like you were from Iran and that feeling changed when you got to Iran but so would you be able to name any of the kind of maybe moments where you felt like you were in LA but you were feeling like you were like oh no I i don't get this or like I'm from Iran like this is definitely makes me feel like I'm not American you know like was there anything that you remember?
0: I mean uh, one of the biggest things probably would be like my best friend in elementary school was his family would like they were Christian uh, you know I went to church with him a couple times and there were all these things you were supposed to do and I felt really nervous and weird about like messing up about like mm, kneeling okay. when you like go sit in the pew and you know I didn't I I was embarrassed to like stand up and sing songs that I didn't even know the what to say and so I mean that was like a big one but uh, other things like so confusing yeah and I, I remember uh other cultural things like him telling me once like that you know his father told him not to tell me but that I have like really bad like table manners and it's like really rude to like do certain things at the table that I thought were Normal, Uh, which is funny because, like, he was also, like, he he would be rude in, like, other ways that, like, would strike me as, like, being from Iran. And, like, so that was, like, really hurtful to me and it made me kind of really think, like, oh, my God, there's all these things that I, I... I would always have trouble with this idea that there were things that I just wasn't even aware of that were mm-hmm. like that to other people were like these glaring problems. And then just, you know, just being in the my, the culture of my family and we had our own New Year's and holidays. I remember, I mean, my mom one time, she got like a Christmas tree, like this little tiny one uh, when I was in elementary school. And she thought it would make me happy. And I just came home and I was just like, this is weird. Can you just take this out? (laughs)
1: oh yeah it's so hard to find to navigate rules i feel like the thing about rules it's i suppose humans invent them for comfort you know it's kind of like a shorthand or something for for life but they're also so alienating at the same time and also i i feel like especially these kind of like cultural things like they there's some idea that somehow everyone should know and and then like
0: yeah like i I was shocked that my friend (laughs)
1: everyone (laughs) like why (laughs) what should we know yeah
0: yeah like like my friend the same person that I mentioned from elementary school like he actually he literally believed like probably so many other kids that age that there was a Santa Claus and to me it was so obvious that this was something made up because you know how could it be real like we don't even celebrate Christmas in my house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is the perfect equation. Yeah. Interesting. Something about these kind of seemingly just givens or something like, oh, yeah. it's a given. It's a given in one culture, you know, and then it's like another culture. Like, no, it's not. It doesn't even exist. It's yeah. It's so strange when they kind of meet face to face like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, I just realized I, I remembered another one of those school memories that you're asking me about. Like there's another time when we were playing some kind of like classroom game or something. And I remember the, the one of the questions that they asked to the class was like we were in teams or something. And the teacher was asking, um, What is the most popular food in the world? And, you know, like this was, we were in like fifth grade or something. We are like mm. le- 10, 11 years old. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the first group, you know, says like hamburgers or something and like pizza <laughs> and hot dogs. And I was just, I wasn't actually this deep thinking, but, you know, but there must have been something behind this. Like I turned to my friend and I whispered to him and I was like, what if it's rice? And we both kind of like laughed because I just we ate rice all the time at my house. And then, of course, yeah. that was the answer. And then I was like, oh, yeah, uh, I was just like it oh,
1: so was actually categorically answer. I was sure that it was some sort of weird subjective t- question that was going to expose uh, the bias like <laughs> of everyone.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's whatever. It's like, the, I guess it makes sense. It's like the most commonly yeah. eaten food by population or something. But yeah, then I, I just remember really thinking like, whoa. Oh, okay. Like maybe I'm I'm somehow not the minority anymore. Like I eat the most popular oh, food in the world. Oh. You guys are just eating pizzas. And, I mean, I love pizza Hamburgers. Too. Yeah.
1: Actually, it was quite, I'm also a late comer to pizza. I i I, guess I <laughs> tasted it like in Belarus when I was 10 and like really didn't understand like the point of it so um i guess i appreciate it a bit more now but yeah wow <laughs> yeah so i thinking also about the fact that um los angeles does have i actually didn't realize that it was called that but it's called tarantulas it's yeah. like that's that's the name, so I guess, um, yeah, it's an area in Westwood where a lot of people that left Iran and came and settled there. Were you guys living in that area?
0: Uh, Just I only lived around there for uh, half a year, but uh, I have two of my, my my two oldest friends, actually, who are parents, they all work together in the Iranian uh, radio, television. They have always lived in that area, so, like, weirdly, because we moved around a lot, like, growing up, Northern California, Southern California, but uh, they always lived there. And so it weirdly felt like I always kind of felt like that's where I was from because I always mm, had okay. that as like a place to go. But no, I've, I've only lived in that area for a short time.
1: But you have a relationship to it. It sounds like kind of. Yeah, totally. Like it's, yeah. It's, it doesn't seem like a point of um, connection of some sort. I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel like when, when, you, yeah, when you go like, yeah, when you end up there? How do you feel when you're there?
0: I don't know. I, I don't go like to the kind of busy iranian area too often yeah i mean i, I don't really purposefully visit there I, I don't think about it too much i guess it's just like any other for me it's like any other place from that has like childhood memories
1: what about like when you go to the hammer museum because it's kind of close the hammer museum is located pretty near i'd say like walking distance right like uh a...
0: yeah i mean um weird i've only been to the hammer like a couple times even yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no
1: pressure. <laughs> There's like it's not. Yeah, you don't have to go. I, don't, I go for some reason. They so have yeah. a nice terrace to so, like to sort of study there when I'm in LA.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. But no, yeah, I, I haven't really. I don't really seek out purposefully like Iranian friends or culture or activities like outside of just the people that I happen to grow up with that yeah. are Iranian.
1: I think I was just thinking of, again, my own experience because kind of close to there, there's also West Hollywood, like kind of close to that area, which is an area where a lot of post-Soviet um, immigrants live and there are a lot of stores, you know, that have these um, Russian and Soviet-inspired stores. Like there's a, my, one of my favorites is called The Cherry Garden, which is actually an unconventional translation of The Cherry Orchard, by, which is a play by Chekhov. But i know and i feel like most people wouldn't know you know they would just be like oh there's a sign that says cherry garden but i know that it's actually a Chekhov's play anyway so there's just these little things that i think i read you know and every time i drive through there or like i go through there even like when i don't stop like i'll see something and I feel like there's just, like, some sort of cultural, like, roulette or something, you know, that, like, happens in my brain. <laughs> and then it's, like, bang, you know, and then it just, like, this this kind of cycle of memories um, get activated. I think I was just asking something along those lines, but, you know, it's so subjective how we react to space.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the answer that uh, kind of came to mind that but I was afraid to give is that, uh, you know, because especially during my time, like, visiting Tehran, it's such a pressure cooker of a city in terms of, like, just traffic density and like people everywhere Mm. and the way that people interact there like in stores and just going about like daily errands it's like really hilarious and like disorganized and like like it's almost in my experience while I was there like if you go to a store to buy something and you just stand in line like it will basically never be your turn like someone's always <laughs> gonna go in Isn't front of you turn
1: a line <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so you always have to just I, like no yeah you have to just walk up to the front while some other interaction and transactions happening and put your thing down and be like how much is this and like <gasps> and so if I go to this area in Westwood in Tehran I'm kind of like just on my guard and I'm kind of like ready to be annoyed by someone or something that is mm. like acting in this way and just kind of go. In, I usually go in there with like a embracing myself to not have a good experience. <laughs> mm.
1: Well, you know, it's it's just it's. I think our just like heritage memories, anything. There's you know like positive and negative aspects to them I don't think it's all like rosy yeah colored nostalgia really you know I think there's a lot of I mean like there's like a lot of darkness and I think in the immigrant experience in general like with my family I feel like there was always just complicated feelings about like leaving you know did we make a mistake like you know should we go back or like it was better no it's better you know it's just these kind of seesaw or like yeah wanting to integrate like but then like missing the old ways but then the old ways not feeling right and just so yeah it's, it's
0: a really complex territory yeah I mean uh, that during that trip when I stayed in Iran I actually loved it so much that I wanted to like do paperwork and think about like moving there and stuff and then when I left and I came back here I was I felt like almost like shell-shocked or something somehow by the experience and to the point where like the friends that I had made there uh, who like graciously let me like stay with them when I was visiting like different cities and stuff I like was I was like out of touch with them for like almost a year because I just felt like Mm. I had to like it was such an intense experience you know Tehran is like New York City like times a million or something in terms of the chaotic factor Uh, and then I kept thinking god like how did how was I having those thoughts that I wanted to live here when I was there and uh, I'd be curious to see how it feels to go back again Mm. yeah
1: would you yeah you'd say you'd like to you'd like to go back
0: Yeah, I would love to.
1: If I may ask, what was it that you, if you can put it into words, what was it that you loved so much about
0: it? I think being surrounded by people that speak Farsi had like a really amazing feeling. And then, I mean, everything is so difficult there and life for people is so hard, but uh, there's these the way of kind of having fun there and some sometimes it's kind of happens like in between the cracks of things because a lot of things are not allowed or certain things are not allowed so it feels kind of like raw and real and at the same time like you're like breaking a rule or something and
1: like trans yeah transgressive and
0: yeah and i was really i didn't i didn't want to like be there as like this person from america who like has it great and say you know i didn't want to come across but I asked some people I was like you know is this more fun because it's not allowed or am I just being like an annoying American person and they at least the people that I talked to they agreed. They were like, no, this is, it is kind of more fun this way. Um, I mean, I remember taking this uh, bus trip because I wanted to see, like, some natural areas like around in, like, the north of Iran and um, yeah, it got, got cancelled and I got put on this other bus trip that was more like, a sounded more like something that you would have here, where, like, the bus just kind of stops at these kind of tourist-friendly areas and I was really upset about that because I thought I was missing out on some experience, but and then this bus, it left Tehran at like four in the morning. And so to kind of beat traffic. And the first thing that everyone did was they all introduced themselves to each other. Like we all, you know, said who we were and everything. And of course, I was the only person that was visiting from America. And I didn't realize that one of the main reasons for doing this introduction was to kind of so that everyone could uh, kind of get the feel for everyone else and see, like, how is this person going to react if we start doing something that we're maybe not supposed to officially be doing. Oh, you know there was this one guy in the back who was like this big heavy set guy with a beard and he looked kind of mean and you know like once they once the bus got out of Tehran, like they closed all the curtains and this is like still like five in the morning and they like started yeah. blasting music in there and everybody was just like in this little aisle of the bus like dancing. And I remember everybody was everybody was joking with that guy. He was like, you know, he even said it himself. He was like, I wanted to get up and dance first so everyone could, like, relax. And they all kind of, like, laughed. And then...
1: <laughs> so he had this awareness <laughs> yeah. of his presence. Or oh, maybe he, had, he cultivated it so he can <laughs> um, disguise his wild nature, for <laughs> yeah.
0: nature. Yeah, I wonder. But then I just thought, God, like... I can't believe I thought this was going to be like a boring trip with people that just wanted to like and yeah it was so much fun and then I remember we would we would pass through these little checkpoint things like nothing serious but then then they would open all the bus windows and everyone would sit down and we'd all be like dripping sweat and just like looking normal and then once we would pass again they would close all the close all the shades and it was it was probably more fun than um
1: (laughs) hide and seek (laughs) that is really fun yes yeah and
0: so I mean just those were the kind of things that I really loved like there was like a newlywed couple there and at one point they were dancing and everyone was clapping and people were like you know throwing little money at them as like a wedding present just complete strangers you know and uh those kinds of things I really you know miss
1: also I was just just trying to you know just to make an equation of like trying to imagine i was like oh do we have anything like that like when we're in the states is there any kind of fun ritual like that i couldn't think of oh i guess there's actually rice there's the throwing of the rice I
0: think. <laughs> yeah but that's like with people that you've invited to your wedding right
1: that's true yeah no you wouldn't have random people <laughs> on the bus throwing, throwing rice. we do have
0: food. random people throwing random things on buses but
1: <laughs> oh yes actually the bus system is um, a bit wild actually in los angeles so Yeah, it's interesting, but constraints. I feel like, like in music, you know, when you compose, I feel like having rules is really can be really helpful. Yeah. Do you employ very specific rules when you create music?
0: Maybe not so much rules, like I've heard other people doing whose music I really love. But I definitely like to have constraints, and it's fun to kind of spread wings, like inside of that. And it feels like for me, I sometimes it's fun when it feels like solving some kind of puzzle. So I, I try to imagine. I try to even make things constraints that might not be. Like I think about sometimes like the space where the piece is going to be performed Mm. and try to even use that as like a constraint, even though it's, you know, a a space and it's supposed to feel like open, like you can do whatever you want here.
1: We make it specific to that space.
0: Yeah, or it's like, you know, you can do whatever you want, but, you know, can you, can it be like, it should sound like experimental music.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can't, wait, you can't do like a pop. What about a pop song, that's experimental <laughs> music that sounds like pop song? Can you, can you have that?
0: Yeah, that's, definitely. That would, yeah, I guess that would be a fun puzzle to solve too, but.
1: That would be fun puzzle. Do you feel like your background, your heritage affects um, your work in any way?
0: No, not at all. Yeah, I, I don't have any kind of, when I was like an undergrad and uh, first getting into composition, I thought that everything I did had to be tied to like my emotional state for it to have any kind of like meaning or relevance but uh, at least for me it took me a few years to realize that that was like actually like super counterproductive so the things that I do now they don't really have any kind of big weight ideas behind them or feelings I try to just focus on making something for now I've just been kind of obsessed with the idea of just trying to make something that sounds beautiful to me and just keeping it as simple as that
1: I feel like that's kind of a very emotional decision, beauty, in a way.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess you can't. I guess you can't escape it. But like, I mean, back at that time, I was like.
1: I just think you can't ex- escape emotions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm just. I'm not in like the kind of emo frenzy that I was when I was like a lot younger. And I thought like. Never know. You know Never music know. school <laughs> kind of made me feel like you have to be like Beethoven or something. You know. Yeah, that's not a good comparison either. I mean, he wrote some of his most joyous things at like the worst part of his life that's
1: true yeah yeah it's interesting how these contrasts (laughs) exist between what you make and how you feel like what you show and how you feel or what is seen and what is not seen (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) yes (laughs) what we see and what we don't see yeah usually is different. It would be really shocking if it was the same thing exactly.
0: That would be amazing. It'd be
1: crazy if all people if when they behave a certain way. I think I'm trying I am trying to tie it somehow though to this idea of like living in two places or something somehow. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, we're like we're existing in this one plane, but then inside us there are these other bases maybe. And yeah, so it's the same like what we see, what we don't see.
0: Yeah, and I mean I'm open to the idea that there's a lot of things in me that I don't see and I'm not aware of, because in general, that's that's like the thing that I struggle with, is kind of figuring out how to access feelings or memories that I've kind of like buried.
1: Maybe we can develop a special tool for excavating the hidden memories. We'll announce it on the podcast um, if we're able to come up with this.
0: You know, I don't want to put the pandemic in any kind of positive light, but it accidentally really helped me by something about staying home for like a really long time made me like really kind of raw and super vulnerable and I started getting like really emotional and then uh, one day I decided to you know I mentioned like we moved around a lot and it's weird like uh, one of the places where I lived was uh, in Orange County Mm -hmm. it's only like a 30 40 minute drive from where I am but it feels like it's like in another world because I only associate it with like years ago and you know I have a lot of memories of that place because we had to move from there and I was really upset about it and anyway for some reason I got it in my head to just drive there it was like midnight or something like that and I just went to like my old apartment building and just like walked around there it was kind of probably being kind of weird it was crazy like I'd never done anything like that and then I kind of felt some things and then when I drove out of there and when I was driving back home like in the car I cried harder than like i've ever cried in my whole life like i almost like totally crashed on the freeway like it was and it felt the next day i felt like something i got something out that was like i really needed to it was crazy Good
1: catharsis yeah because digging deep being forced to stay home and like confront that idea of home it's intense
0: it was really intense i could probably use that experience like 10 more times probably
1: that's cool that you were brave to face it and and, like, go and do that,
0: That seems like, a big undertaking. Yeah, I, I still don't know what how it got in my head. Like, earlier that day, I was, like, trying to Google, like, my elementary and middle school teachers. I don't know why. And then I, the more I thought about it, the more I kept thinking about that place. And then just realizing that it's so close, even though, yeah, it felt like traveling back in time or something. It was just, it was so weird to me to be there in the present because I I don't actually I don't think of that place as an actual physical place I think of it as a time so it shouldn't be somewhere that I can actually physically be it's uh, like I still can't reconcile it even now it doesn't feel like a, a location so it's just a memory but it is there like my apartment that we lived in is there
1: feel the same here in, in my apartment so yeah I feel like I'm so I feel like a bit of a ghost myself, really, because, you know, I'm I'm just in this other time. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to have conversations with other ghosts, I guess, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or people that have visited the ghostly place yeah. somehow penetrated the time and place divide. I think we, um, yeah, I think we've gone into some deep home caves. Thank you for joining me on this navigating the labyrinth between places.
0: Thanks so much for having me.